Hello, hello, beautiful people. This is Gabby with another episode of God's Plan. God's Plan. I'm not sure if I should have said that, but anyway. <laughs> if, if it's, if it's. If it's. Say hello to the people, Kenny. Hola, hola. Que lo que familia. We're just so happy to be here again. Thank you guys so much for your support and everything that you guys do. Um, Kenny, do you, you want to start us off with a prayer? Absolutely. The best way to start it. Absolutely. Eyes closed, heads bowed everywhere. Father God, we just want to thank you first and foremost, God. It is such a, a honor and a privilege to be able to just uh, to be here in this moment right now, God. To have legs that work, to have arms that work, to have eyes to see, ears to hear, God. It's just such a, a blessing to, yes, to serve God. such an amazing, loving, forgiving God. God, we yes. thank you for... The, the gift of technology, God, because without that, we wouldn't be able to to speak to the people um, and allow them to share their testimonies and to connect with people who aren't in the same city and the same household, God. So we thank you for that. Yes, we Lord. thank you for the food that we received today. We thank you for the, the beverages that we received today, God. And we just want to lay our sins at your feet, God. You know, anything that we said today or, or thought of or felt that wasn't of you, God, any anxiety, any fear, any doubt, that, that we fear, God, may you just relinquish that. And we do that by, by laying at your feet and just saying that we repent, God. We repent yes. for, for any time we doubt, any time that we say uh, we can't, God, we just lay it at your feet because we know that what the enemy meant for evil, you will always uh, turn it for good oh, all the time, God. And we thank you for that, God. So we just ask that you be with us today. May you be with uh, myself. May you be with my sister, Gabby. May you be with our guests today, God, and just... God bless their, their hearts and their soul. I'm just so thankful to be in a position where I can hear uh, their testimony and to just hear what it is that you got in store for them, God. And also, we just ask that you be there for the families in uh, Ukraine, God. May you yes, be there for all the, the, the families that are struggling, that are dying, that are just losing hope, God. May they just reach out to you, call out to call out to you, and may you, you bless the hearts of the Russians. May you bless the hearts of those yes, that are doing everything that they shouldn't be doing at this time, God. So... We just lay all of these things at your feet. We thank you for, for your forgiveness, for your love, for your caring kindness, God. And we thank you. It's all yours. It's all yours. It's all yours, God. And we just thank you for it all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Wow, Kenny, that was such a powerful, very powerful prayer. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for starting and setting the atmosphere for this this topic that we're going to discuss today with our guests. Um, yes, yes. It's going to be one of those ones. Yes, it's just such an honor to have her here and have her accept this calling and that God wants for her to, to lay out for everyone mm -hmm. so that people could get encouraged. She's one of my sisters in Christ, one of my best friends. I know I can confide with her in anything and everything. And I know for a fact she won't tell anyone. She would give me the best advice. Uh, she's just a light to everyone. Mm -hmm. I remember walking into Saints Church the very first time and she was doing the announcements with um with a person next to her and I'm like, wow, they make such a cute couple. <laughs> Little did I know they were together. <laughs> and they are the absolute dynamic duo. Yes, that is true. Kobe and Shaq. Yes, that definitely are. Well, I, I think that name is take you know, we'll talk about that another time. Yes, 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 we'll talk about that another time. Not now, okay. <laughs> 
Oh, without further ado, we're going to introduce my lovely, amazing Vanessa. Wow, you guys like are so good at making somebody feel so welcomed over the phone. It's like so amazing. And like you said, Kobe and Shaq, and I'm like, well, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah, that's why I said, yeah, we'll we'll save that. We'll save that. Um, No, I just want to say thank you guys. I want to say not only thank you for um, allowing me to come on and have this time with you guys that we can just converse about things that I've gone through and things that you guys have gone through, but thank you for doing this podcast. You know, it's so admirable that you guys are like putting your, your faith into action. You know, you could have said, I don't have a mic. I don't have this. I don't have that. And you could have focused on what you didn't have as opposed to Mm -hmm. just doing it. And you guys just push through. You were like, you know what? I may not have this and I may not have that, but I know that I have AirPods. I know that I have an (laughs) iPhone and I know this app. So I'm going to do it with what I got and God honors that. And so I just want you guys to know that that's so admirable. It's one thing to say you're going to do something, but it's a whole different thing to actually do it. Like when Gabby approached me at our paint night a few months ago and she was like, or like a month ago, she was like, we're going to be doing this thing. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. And then like literally two weeks later the first episode came out or like three weeks later I was like wow like that was quick (laughs) so just thank you guys thank you for inviting me and thank you for doing this I'm proud of both of you oh I mean we we received that that's that's definitely man what a start yeah you you on fire already like I said this is gonna be one of one of them ones so we definitely are excited to have you and we are grateful for sure thank you thank you the way you express yourself, you're, you're just so anointed. And we just want to thank you. We receive every word that you've said. And it's with people like you, support, the support that we receive from people like you that can, that makes us want to keep on doing more because I know people are getting impacted. Mm-hmm. With, with tears in their eyes, they're coming up to us, telling us how how, how much this has um benefited them. So, Vanessa, thank you for saying that. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, of course. Yes. I'll never forget when Ruth came up to me at church and she was like, have you heard Keefe's episode? And then like she announced it on the thing on the Tuesday night call. Cause I think Keefe might've been your guys' first guest. And I was just like, wow, like you guys are impacting more than just like this generation. You're impacting people like older, younger, same age. It's beautiful. It's just beautiful. Absolutely. Yeah. And can we just clap it up for Ruth one time? She's yeah, one let's give it up for Ruth. Love Ruth. Thank She's you. She's one of our biggest you. cheerleaders, and we love her so, so much for everything that she does to the church, but also what she does for us. Yes. Yeah, she's great. Yes, yes uh, thank you guys for say- saying that. Um, Vanessa, we, yes. and we know that you're such a, a bright light to everyone's day, but do we know a little bit of what you've been through, but do you want to tell our listeners uh, like you, a little bit of your testimony and what you've been through? Yeah. Um, so it's funny because I want to actually start with a scripture. Ooh, okay. So, and I know that you guys do like the song of the days. And so I got this scripture by a song called move your heart mm. or no, no, no. It, it might've been a different song, but either way, <laughs> It's like a scripture that they that Dante Bo announces in one of the songs. He says, "The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy." Come on now. And that okay. comes out of Revelation nineteen ten. 
Mm-hmm. And I love that you guys always start your episodes with, with testimonies because like we look at prophecy, like it's like foretelling the future and it's like, Oh, I can see what's going to happen in your life. And that's not what like prophecy is supposed to be about. It's mm. supposed to be speaking life into the future. And when God gives visions and stuff like he did with Isaiah and Jeremiah, mm-hmm. like, but in this sense, like, sharing my testimony is this is is the spirit of prophecy and every time that you guys have someone on here sharing their testimony it's the spirit of prophecy because what it does is it it says this is where i was this is where i am because of jesus and it gives hope to other people saying oh well i might be here but i can go there and it's so it's speaking into someone else's future as opposed to like telling someone else's future so I love that. Um, and the testimony. A, yes. Can I just uh, add on to what you said? Mm-hmm. And thank you so much for saying that about testimonies, because some people might and listening might feel like they their testimony does not matter. Mm-hmm. It, they, they don't feel like they have a voice. So to those listeners out there, I do want to say that you do have a voice. Your testimony mm-hmm. does count because speaking f- from personal experience, I used to think that my testimony did not matter. When I started speaking out, I started seeing the reactions that people had around me. And I was like, okay, okay, that this can work. Like mm-hmm. God put those, those, um, those things that you had to overcome for a reason for mm-hmm. you to impact other people that are in your life, for you to yeah. say what you speak you've been through so that they can have hope like you mentioned so thank mm-hmm. you for saying that about testimony so with that being said share your testimony <laughs> yes i just wanted to um get that out there um so yeah i i grew up in kansas city missouri i'm not a new york native uh no which is funny because a lot of people they really don't know that I'm not a New York na- native until they hear me talking around my family and I like wow. sound like a country bumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I grew up in a mixture of like super duper country and super duper city, like in the hood. And so I had like a little bit of both. And so my countryside comes out sometimes and my city side comes out sometimes. But um, yeah, just to jump right into it. My mom was addicted to drugs my whole life. Um, And so I think it was like before I was born, but ever since my first memory, I know that she was on drugs and I was, um, you know, the first time she ever went to prison, I had to move in with my aunt and uncle in the country. And then she would get out like a year later. And then I would live with her and then she would go back. And then I would live with my aunt and uncle and I had a brother who was um, who she had and he was four years younger than me. And the two of us just we were we were going through so much because while I'm not even um, so my brother is half white, half black. And Mm -hmm. growing up, we thought I was half Mexican later on Mm -hmm. in life. I found out I'm Cuban, but. Um, my family in the country, like my aunt's husband was this super like racist white man. Mm. So I grew up having to hear him call my brother the N word and Mm. call me a a little beaner or whatever. And 
so from a, a really young age, like I knew these things were really, really wrong. And so my mom would come out of jail or get out of jail. We would live with my mom and then she would go back to jail and we would end up back here. And then she would get out again, but then she would only take me with her. And my brother had to stay there where, you know, it wasn't just like, you know, because it like the verbal things, like we didn't know that was like abuse. Mm. You know, it was just like this thing, but the way they treated my brother was just like very bad. And so I didn't really expect to talk about my brother, but um, my mom was basically just in and out of prison. And in doing that, we were bounced around from this aunt to that aunt to this uncle to that uncle. And my mom has um, eight sisters and two brothers. So just imagine how many people I was bounced around and I lived with all but one of them. Hmm. And so I was bounced around as a kid, um, passed around from family member to family member. I always like made a little joke that was like a little toy that just got passed around. Okay, I'm done dealing with it. Here you go. And, um, and so, yeah, when my mom finally got out of jail, when I was, um, in high school, I had already kind of like moved away into the city and I was kind of doing my own thing. And my mom's addiction turned from, um, crack to meth over the years. And, um, you know, I, growing up, I just never thought it would get any worse. You know, I was like, well, this is the worst that it's ever going to be. Um, but then when my mom kind of started doing mess, there was a day when I looked into my mother's eyes and I didn't see my mom's soul. Wow. And it hurt so bad. I was like, I don't know. I was just looking at her and I didn't see her. And my mom, when I tell you, my mom was the most beautiful woman I had ever seen in my life. My mom was like, I admired my mom. My mom did no wrong in my sight when I was a kid, even when she, I knew she was doing things that I didn't like, like leaving me, even when she wasn't in jail, she would leave me um, with my aunts or my grandma or a neighbor. And I'm just like, I didn't want my mom to go anywhere without me because I was like her little mom. I was like, mom, why are you drinking? And I would like always like, you know, be on top of her with that. And so um, my mom and I, she was my best friend until I got old enough to realize that it was just too much for me to, to deal with. And um, I still love my mom to the moon and back. Um, and I know that God has better plans for her. Speaking of testimonies, just like Pastor Monique said the other day about her mom, you know, and it's like I had lost faith for the longest. Like, no, she's never going to change. But then hearing Pastor Monique's testimony about her mom, I'm like filled with faith again. Right. And um, so fast forward. I don't want to just sit there and ramble on because I can. But (laughs) fast forward to um, later on when I was in high school, I had a friend and um we were besties and we would um we would hang out on the weekends we would go skating on fridays we would go to the movies on saturdays and then sundays we would just chill and uh chilling meant either watching america's next top model or watching (laughs) the 
Tyler Perry plays Medea. And <laughs> I remember watching this play and um, Medea was always like, Hallelujah. Like, <laughs> they would always, um, her daughter would always say, Medea, one day you're going to get saved. And I would always wonder to myself, like, what does it mean? Like, what does that phrase mean? Like, what does right. it mean to be saved? Like, mm-hmm. I have no idea what that means. And that always stuck with me along with, um, so when I lived in the country, my aunt and uncle lived across the street from this Baptist church that had like a little swing set and a little basketball court. And that was our everyday playground. And um, one time my older cousin got baptized and I remember going up to the pastor. I was like seven years old. I had no clue what was going on, but I was like, I went up to the pastor and I like was like, hey, and he was like, hi. And I was like seven. And I was like, I want to get baptized. And he was like, um, okay, well, do you know what a sin is? <laughs> and I was like, no, what's that? <laughs> and he said, well, when you can tell me what a sin is, I will baptize you. Mm. And I was like, okay, la da 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 da. Went on about my business, never even you know, took it any further, but I always, always had that thought in the back of my head. What is a sin? What does that mean? So there's that, what is that sin? What does this mean? And then there's the, when I'm 14, seven years later, 15, 14, 15, around that age. Well, what does it mean to be saved? I didn't know what a sin was and I didn't know what it meant to be saved, but yet I lived across the street from a church my whole life. Um, not my whole life, but, you know, even when I think of like my grandma and grandpa that lived in the city, they lived across the street from a church as well. And so like, I just noticed like looking back on my life, how God had always been there, little sprinkles of God had been there. And it was nothing by like, you know, my family, you know, like raising me up in the church. It wasn't anything like that. It was just God just protecting me and being there with me in these moments and planting seeds Mm -hmm. that I would not know that would come to fruition years later. Um, And so we never know who we're impacting, even with a little phrase, like you don't know if you saved or whatever it is, like those seeds were planted in me. This guy told a seven-year-old, do you know what a sin is? And that was a seed planted in me. Medea Mm. said, you know, Cora said to Medea, you gonna get saved one day. And that was a seed planted in me. Mm -hmm. And then years later, I decided that I wanted to pursue acting. And I was, um, after I graduated high school, I went on to community college and, um, in my acting classes, I had a friend and her name is Megan. Shout out to Megan. (laughs) (laughs) Megan was a Christian and she would always throw that. Oh yeah. I'm saved. Are you saved or whatever? Like phrase around. And I was always like, Hmm, Okay, Megan, like you got to tell me what this means because it was in the Medea play. Now you see it. Like, what does it mean to be saved? Like, I don't really understand what that means. And we were in my car. I was like 19 at this point. And she was like, well, she just was like saying that it, when you, when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're saved. Mm. And I was like, okay. And she was like, and that means you won't go to hell or something like that. And I was like, well, I don't want to go to hell. Like what? And then I was like, well, how do I get saved? 
like when do do I need to go to a church and she was like no like right here right now you can get saved so do you believe in Jesus I said yes and she said do you believe that he died on the cross for your sins I was like yes but I'm like what is the sin (laughs) but I'm like yes and she was like then you're saved Mm. I was like that's it that's all it is like it's no like hoopty doop like whatever like that's it (laughs) and she was like yeah that's it I was like okay cool that's good and then like you know I was going to church with that that friend that I would watch the Medea plays with you know I would go to church every now and then and then I would leave church and I would be doing my thing you know I would be doing me I would go to church and you know hallelujah this is good and then I would go out and I would do me I was like you know I love church but I ain't trying to change nothing I'm like, you know, I can do God, but I'm also going to do me. And I'm not about to like (laughs) stop this or stop that because I believe in God, but I don't believe in like, I don't believe in all that. (laughs) And and then for a long time, I was like, I don't believe in church. Like I believe Mm. in God, but I don't believe in church. Like, why would I go somewhere that, that is like a place that like makes me feel like you know, like bad or that makes me feel like they're trying to teach me how to speak in tongues. And I'm like, that's like a show. And I don't want to, you know, and I'm very big on authenticity. And so I'm like, nah, like that's, that's not for me. So two years later, I'm about to finish my associate's degree at the community college. And I have a friend, Fred, who was moving to Kansas, uh, moving to New York city to go to acting school. And, um, I knew that I was going to leave Kansas city from a very young age. I knew that was not for me. And I just didn't know what that looked like. But, um, so I knew it was either going to be New York or like Los Angeles, but I had visited New York a few times and I was like, I really like New York. And so my friend had moved out here and he was going to this acting school and I had auditioned for the same acting school and I was a year behind him. So um, just fast forward and I moved to New York a year later and um, he misses the first week of school because he was away at a church retreat with the Brooklyn Tabernacle Young Adults Ministry called Transitions at the time. Mm. And he was like late to to um, school that week because the the retreat ended up getting, there was like a big hurricane in New York. And so then the retreat got extended. And then when he got back, uh, he was like, you know, like, what's up, Nessa? He was like, he's like this big, goofy, funny guy. And he's like, you know, asked me if I wanted to come to this church event on Friday. I was like, sure. Like, I was just so open to it. I wasn't like, ugh, church. I was just like, sure, that sounds fun. And I went with him. And when I tell you, I encountered God like I had never experienced him ever before. I mean, like there was hip hop music playing. There was lights (laughs) on. I was like, what kind of church is this? Like what? And every single person like was smiling. They were young. They were cool. They were like dope. And I was like this cannot be church. Like, are you serious? And I just was like, I like this. Like, I like this a lot. And then my friend that actually moved to New York with me, we were going to school at the same time. I like invited her to come and she was like, "Mm, nah. And eventually she, we kind of like, kind of went our separate ways because I had started my journey with God and she was just like, 
they don't want anything to do with that. Mm. But I just kept going back. And then I would go to school and I would invite everyone. I was like, you guys, you got to come here. This is the coolest place I've ever been. And I was like, it's like watching a really good movie. And like, you're so pumped about how good it is that you just have to tell everybody about it. I was like, this church is so cool. And you got to (laughs) come with me. And I remember like, I was just inviting everybody at school. And then um, one night I was there and um, they played this song called I Give Myself Away. Hmm. And I will just never forget. I was like, these words move my heart in a way like nothing else has. And the lyrics are, I'll try to do it off memory, but I give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. Here's my Mm -hmm. life. Um, I lay it down for you or something like that. And I was just like, um, it's like my life is a living, I offer my life as a living sacrifice, something Mm -hmm. like that. And I was just like, Oh my gosh. And I had chills all over. A couple months later, the pastor was like, we're going to do a series called triple X Christian. And it was all about purity. And it was all about just like, yeah, purity. It was all about purity. And I remember March, 2012, I said, God, I don't know how I'm going to do this, but I promise you, I'm not having sex until I'm married. I promise because my relationship with men had been so tainted up until that point. It was just like, I was an object and I was okay with that, but I wasn't okay with it. But it was like, I wasn't out here in these streets or nothing like that. But I was like, I was just like, I didn't believe anything was wrong with it. And there's nothing wrong with sex as long as it's done in the right way. Um, And so I remember that. And then I remember I had a classmate. His name is Elisha Lawson. And um, I had another classmate and her name was, or is Kashika Forte. And Elisha and Kashika were, we did our classes together. And while God was setting me up by going to church, Brooklyn Tabernacle every other Friday night, God was also setting me up by putting two Christians in my class like a lot of people in my class were Christians, but there was something different about Elisha and Kashika. They didn't do the things that everybody else was doing. They didn't talk the way everybody else was talking. And there was just something so pure about their lives and the way they were walking. And I was just like, wow, this is incredible. And so naturally I was like, I would ask them questions as like throughout my journey with learning about God, I would ask them questions of what things meant. And they're really big impacts on, on my walk to this day. And so, yeah, I, um, Brooklyn Tabernacle completely changed my whole life and, um, I'm forever grateful. And that's, that's in a nutshell, like how I came to be a Christian. Um, and yeah, I feel like I was going to say something else, but I forgot. (laughs) Let's hope it comes back to you. Mm -hmm. Um, Thank you so much for sharing your testimony, a little bit about it. And it's already impacted me a lot. 
one of the things that you said to, um, when you were speaking about your brother, and thank you for sharing about your brother, um, your brother and yourself growing up, is that they spoke down to you a lot and mm-hmm. in, in a negative way. So when you're when you're spoken down to in a negative way, you and you hear it so often, you start believing it. And then it becomes a, a generational cycle. Like for me, my my mom, my grandma was so hard on my mom. Mm. And then my mom became so hard on me. Mm. So the and I made a choice of breaking that cycle. Like this is it. Mm-hmm. I'm life into people I am not speaking down to them at all mm-hmm. and if I do I'm sorry so that's going a little bit on on generational cycles so um that goes into our first question how hard was it for you to break that generational cycle now that you had that encounter with God and you wanted a, more of him and then you made that promise to him um and then just describe a little bit about your consistency with that journey yeah, so great question. Um, I look at at this like um, everything like was set up to come against me, right? And I I really I have a hard time wrapping my mind around it sometimes because I literally operate so different from every single person in my family. Um, I don't think like them. I don't do the things they do. When I tell you, like, everybody in my family is on drugs, and I don't, I have, like, I mean, I told you, I, my grandma had 11 kids, and all of them have kids, and all, all of them have kids except for me, but <laughs> one day, um, and, like, even, like, the, the teenagers in my family, they're on drugs, and I, I don't know why or how I'm wired to think so different. But I think um, one thing that I, I told myself as a little kid that I'm, I saw the way my mom was. and I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm never, ever going to do that. And I think the way I actively broke a generational curse was by determination. Hmm. I was okay. determined. I was determined to not be a nobody. And not to be not being nobody, but like I was like as a kid, I would say like, I'm going to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatever. And then as I got older, I was just like, I got to leave Kansas City. Like, I'm, I can't I can't be here. It's just so toxic and everybody around me is so negative. And so the way I actively broke a cycle was to literally pack up and move and start a whole new life. And it wasn't like I was running away from my problems, kind of um, starting a new life. It was like, I see the way everything is around me. And I, I brought those chapters to a close. You know, I graduated high school. I was the third person in my whole family to graduate high school. The first to ever graduate from college. And even though I have an associate's degree, it's like, that was a big deal at the time. And then I closed that chapter and then I left. I packed my bags and I have not turned back since then. And I think that was like a big, big um, like move. And that is how I didn't even know that I was breaking a generational cycle. But that was like one thing. I was so determined to get out of there 
I was so determined to never touch a drug or cigarettes or anything that would make me fall into a pit of addiction. I was like, I cannot risk it. It, This is my life. And this is before I was a Christian. I just couldn't. I was like, I can't, I can't do this ecstasy with my boyfriend. Like, what if I get addicted? And then I'm like freaking on crack on the street. Like, I can't do that. That's literally how I thought. And then the older I, the, the more I, I grew into my adulthood and then became a Christian. I learned how generational curses are like real and how God chooses, you know, for, for people to break those. And I was just, I'm honored that God chose me to be the person to break that cycle in my family. When I have kids, they're not going to know what it's like to not have their mom around. And so like, for me, that's where I'm like, that is like a non-negotiable for me. And it's, it's honestly, I mean, as sad as it sounds, it's so special. Um, and then with my consistency with God, like, honestly, once I became a Christian, I was just like, there's no turning back. Like once I fully started walking with God, I was like, there's no turning back. And the consistency comes and constant surrender and constant obedience because there's so many times where I want to do something, but God wants me to do something completely different. Mm-hmm. And I have to surrender and obey what he wants me to do because if I do what I want to do, I could lead myself to destruction. And if I do what he wants me to do, I have to walk and trust that that's better for me than what I think is better for me. Mm-hmm. And um, I know that there's still things I struggle with. Um, I think that we're going to be always struggling with something because we're constantly growing until the day we go back home to Jesus. Um, And so, yeah. Wow. Um, And I know Gabby had a, um, uh, a second question to ask, but I just wanted to chime in um, because like you and I, um, I, like I, all of this stuff that you're saying, I've never, knew about you like I always thought you was like from the city I never knew you was from Kansas City and mm-hmm. I never knew all these situations I didn't even know you had a brother right so mm-hmm. like hearing all of this like my heart is pumping a million um miles an hour right now and I just had to touch on what you were saying because like it is better to be obedient right and mm-hmm. it says in First uh, Samuel fifteen twenty two that um it's better to basically saying it's better to be obedient than to sacrifice mm-hmm. and, yep. and just in regards to like everything that you're saying like I guess that's what like like you said you were always dedicated to be someone you needed to get out of Kansas City like, it was so much tox uh so much toxic around toxic around mm-hmm. and so much negativity that you just the God was always in you he was mm-hmm. always in you like even before you were saved he was with you he loved you before you even gave your life to him completely and I guess that led you to to everything that you're doing right now whether it be um uh misfits or like influencing another sister like that's the god that's in you now he's always been there but the fact that like you're saying you're speaking to you being obedient has just elevated you in so in so many ways that like um like Gabby was saying in the beginning you are like 
like you are such a light that you know you gravitate mm-hmm. people gravitate towards you because they may they may not know the backstory but after uh, today um and you sharing everything they're gonna know but that's not what we see we see happiness we see joy mm-hmm. we see obedience and mm-hmm. I, yeah i just had to say that because like i'm really in awe after everything that you're saying but I just had to touch on that for sure. No, I appreciate it. I really do. And, you know, I really appreciate the verse that you you shared at the very beginning of this. You know, what the enemy meant for evil, God turns it for good. Mm-hmm. And that's that's literally, I love the story of Joseph. Yes. I love how God did that. And yes. when I think of my life, I, when, I, when we think of our lives, right? Like all of us, we're like, God... I know the enemy, ooh, he was playing, but you, <laughs> you be coming through, God, and the enemy don't stand a chance Come when on, it comes man. to God, you know? Come on. Oh, yeah. Thank you for saying that. For sure. You know, when you were talking about that, those generational cycles and how it's just your determination that that really brought you more to Christ and break those cycles... It just makes me think that we're really on a fine thread, like very, mm-hmm. very skinny thread. Like every decision we make is going to impact our future. Yeah. And it's crazy because also I I'm I meant to say too, like it is a constant battle. Yes. Because you said, Gabby, that your mom spoke to you a certain way or, and then, you know, you were saying that you had to train your mind in a sense, you were saying that you had to train your mind to think differently. Yep. And like, that's literally like, you couldn't have said it more beautifully. It's like breaking a cycle doesn't just (laughs) poof, it's done. It's broken. Mm -hmm. It's a Mm -hmm. constant every single day I have to decide like, okay, I'm going to show grace. Okay. This person irritated me, but I got to do this. And like, it's constantly being like intentional with your thoughts, with your words and making sure that you're not putting people down and making sure that you're, you're like lifting people up and not looking at like the things that you were taught, you know? Mm -hmm. Right, exactly. And that the enemy comes for those thoughts. The enemy Mm -hmm. comes for those feelings. Mm -hmm. That absolutely does. Right. We can't just, we can't base off our decisions off of feelings. Mm-hmm. One thing that I do when someone gets me upset is uh, I don't react right away. Mm-hmm. I tell them to give me five minutes. I pause. Smart. Gather, <laughs> right. Whatever is happening, like I have to walk away. I'm like, mm-hmm. excuse me for a second. Let me walk away. Walk away, collect my thoughts, collect my feelings, and then react or decide on whatever needs to be decided on or reacted upon. So, yeah. I wish I had that. I wish I had that strength, Gabby, because I do not. Girl, it's a struggle. It's definitely a struggle. It's a a strength. Right, yeah, for sure. It really is. That's admirable, Gabby. Oh, thank you. I appreciate Mm -hmm. that. Um, We also mentioned in your testimony uh, and how your your mother, you love her to death Mm -hmm. and she's the most woman in, in, the, in the world mm-hmm. and you also mentioned that when she started doing a separate another drug that's a lot worse that you didn't see a soul in her and I can only imagine how that that affected you emotionally that mm-hmm. affected you 
scarred you for life. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm so sorry you had to go through that, but you're strong. Let me just say that you're very strong. Thank you. Wow, I don't, I don't know what I would have done. So you're you're strong for that. Um, but that brings me to my second question. Um, how has the relationship with your mother helped you become the woman that you are today? And how has she helped you strengthen your relationship with Christ? Mm. My mom is the reason I am who I am today. You know, um, I feel bad sometimes when sharing my testimony because you only hear like the bad things, right? You're like, oh, damn, I must have been. But like my mom wasn't like my mom just she she had her struggles and she just d- didn't ever know, like learn how to conquer them. And addiction is something so crazy. And when you don't overcome that, it's like mm-hmm. overcomes you. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it was last year that I actually had to realize that um, my mom at her core is not the person that I, I experienced when she blurts out whatever at me and calls me names or whatever like god did not make my mom a drug addict mm. like mm-hmm. my mom was made in the image of god and at her core she is beautiful and she is smart and she is a child of god and i had to really like sit with that when i like thought of that because i was like she yells at me and she gets on my nerves and she does this. And it's like, but she is not herself in these moments. That's not who okay. she is. Like, she's just like, you know, like in, like just so in, in it that it's like, I don't know. I have like little peaks, like little like glimpses of the mom that I knew. My mm-hmm. mom has, is the reason I am who I am today because my mom has taught me how to love. My mom has taught me what not to do. Hmm. And my mom, with all the things that I, I say that, you know, she struggles with my mom. My mom also like did a lot of things that, that were special to me, you know, like we would, eat ramen noodles and watch lifetime movies and those moments like <laughs> meant so much to me. And um, it's those moments that like those glimpses that I think of and I hold on to from childhood of like, well, we had our, we had our bond, you know, and um, she's the reason I am who I am today because like what I was talking about earlier, determination, mm-hmm. I was determined that, I'm going to take everything that she was and I'm going to, I'm going to hit on all those things and I'm going to take everything that she was not. And I'm going to hit on all those things going forward in my life. And that's helped me. Well, how she has helped me with strengthening my relationship with Christ is how I started this, right. It's like this, this level of patience Mm -hmm. because I have to look at her through the lens of God. And like when he looks at her, he doesn't look at her and think like, oh, she's a drug addict or oh, she's, uh, she's making another mistake. He's like, no, like he, he can't wait for the day she, she chooses him 
And I want to share another scripture that um, I came across. And this is also how she has helped like strengthen my relationship with Christ. Because when I think of my mom, I think of one word. I literally have it tattooed on my left, like behind my left elbow. Hello. Um, the phone got quiet, so I didn't know if it was um, still on. But no, I have, we um, just tuned in. We tuned in. <laughs> I have a tattoo and it says hope. And so mm. when I think okay. of my mom, I think of hope. Because in, in Romans 8, 24, I read this scripture one day and it blew my mind. It said, for in this hope we were saved. Because mm-hmm. I think this was right after it said, I have this anchor as a hope, Jesus mm-hmm. in my soul. Mm-hmm. And it said, for in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Come who, on now. Come on. Who hopes okay. for what they already have? Come on. And I got chills all throughout my body because I'm like, this is God literally telling me that just because you don't see your mom changing and just because you don't see anything does not mean that I'm not back here working. Come on. Because hope that is seen is no hope at all. If you have to see it to believe it, you're not really hoping. Like that's not faith. And it's like, when I read that, I was like, wow. And like hope is like, Hope is my word, because when I think of the word hope, I think of my mom because I don't see changes. Like I literally like, how am I 32 and I don't see change? And it's like, but you never know what God is doing back there underneath (laughs) it all. And that's that's helped my relationship with God stay, stay strong in that hope division, because it's like, all right. I'm holding on to this anchor. Okay, Lord, when is it, when is it going to happen? Um, and just seeing where her actions have taken her prison, a really, really distraught relationship with all six of her kids. I'm not, I only just have one brother. There's six of us. Um, wow. Yeah. And um, just seeing her actions and, and where it has, what her actions have, the destruction it's caused. Um, it's just, it has made me just have a lot of, of um, eye-opening, you know, experiences. Like, I don't, I don't want that to happen. Wow. Man. Um. I'm really just like in to like I, I said it in the beginning, like this was gonna be one of those ones. And I knew that without even knowing anything of, uh, about you, like knowing any of this, it was just something in my spirit that was just saying, like, just be prepared for what's about to happen, like the words that are about to be said, the testimony that was about to be shared, and it's so powerful. And yes. and it, it's it's crazy that you said hope because mm-hmm. the the word well, the verse rather that God gave me to share with you was first Corinthians 16, 13 through 14. And basically what that says, is like, be on your guard, stand mm-hmm. firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. Mm-hmm. And that when you, when you said hope with that being your word and the, that verse right there, like that's exactly how you got through that. Because if I were to think about all of the, the people in my life that, 
was in your shoes, like dealing with a mom who was um, battling drugs or dealing with a family member who was verbally abusing you and basically dealing with PTSD in a way, a lot of people would have taken that and used that for a reason to be the worst person in the world, like to curse everyone, to, to be upset with everyone, to be upset with their mom. But that's not what you did. You did exactly what the word that you said was given. You had hope. And, mm-hmm. and I love that you said that you got to look at her the same way that God looks at her. That was just mm-hmm. like so beautiful because you could have easily like, like, you know, looked at her like, okay, you're doing this. I don't want to be a part of you. But no, the, the hope in you, the love in you, the faith in you decided to, to see her for who she really was. And that's a woman of God. Mm-hmm. And that, that's just so beautiful. And I thank you for sharing that. And um, just going into the next question. And I know that we um, like spoke about it like prior um, because we were just trying to orchestrate like how we were going to deliver this, but the way that you're delivering everything, I think is right on time. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it really is. And, you know, God is so great for sure. And um, so basically, you know, we are to enjoy the present and build for the future. Mm-hmm. But what is one thing you will always keep with you from the past? Mm-hmm. Such a beautiful question, Kenny. And it's so funny because when you actually, you actually hit on it. And so I, I truly believe that this scripture that God gave you in first Corinthians, it was so Holy spirit led because I knew this question going into this and mm. my answer is love. Mm, and it's funny on. because you didn't know that that was my answer. Right. Facts. And wow. I <laughs> knew that that was my answer <laughs> and that's just so God. And when I say love, I mean like my mom, you know, there's a lot of people that I found out like when I was a kid or not like a kid, but like when I was in high school and stuff like their parents never told them they loved them. Mm. They never used the word love with them. My mom saying she loved me was like water off a duck's back. It was like wow. every other word. We could be mad at each other. Like I literally went home in October and my mom found out that I was sexually abused by a man that she gave temporary custody of me to. And she was so upset. And I was like, why are you the one mad? And we got into this huge fight because she was like, are you blaming me? And I was like, I would never blame you. And we got into this huge argument and I'm sitting here like trying to tell myself, Vanessa, stop yelling, stop, stop feeding into the argument. Right. We're in the middle of arguing and her soda spills, right? And she throws it out of the window. She starts cussing. She's upset. And then I pull up to the gas station because even though I'm upset with her, I stop so she can get another soda before I take her home. And then I was also like, well, I'll get some gas. And I literally go into the gas station. I'm angry at my mom and I'm like pouring a soda out of the fountain for her. And I'm like getting her this soda. And then I go out and she's pumping my gas. Wow. And I'm like, what? Like, aren't you mad? And she was like, you could have just asked me to pump your gas. I'm like, well, you were, you know, like set. And she was like, so, and so it's like, it's like this thing of like, yeah, that's a very bipolar thing to do, but my mom can be so upset and she will not fail to tell me she loves me. Aww. Now did her actions always line up with that? No. But did I ever feel unloved? No, 
Like it wasn't until many years later when I was like, wow, love is an action. When I was a kid, I never, ever felt unloved by my mother. I never felt unloved. I was just like, mom, like, why do you choose these things over me? And why do you continue to, to leave us? Like, why do you continue to, to like do these things that causes us to have separation between each other? But I never thought like, my mom doesn't love me. And if anyone would ever, anyone ever talked about my mom when I was a kid, I would go off on them. <laughs> I'd be like, don't you dare talk about my mama. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, love. And like, that is something that like, I will, it's so easy. And that's not even just for my mom. That's for my whole family does that. My mom doesn't get off the phone with me without saying I love you. And mm. she'll say it like four times. <laughs> And my friend went to Kansas City with me once because we interviewed my whole family for this thing we were putting together. And that was her biggest observation. Mm. Her biggest observation was how much we say we love each other to each other. It's like I'll, I'll walk out the door and I'll say, okay, mom, love you, bye. Or love you later because she hates saying the word bye. And then... um. I'll go over here and I'll get in the car and then I'm leaving and she's waving and she's like, love you. And I'm like, you know, and even though we're like, it's so much toxicity and there's so much arguing, there's always love, always love. Mm -hmm. And so she used to do this thing. I'll close it with this. She used to do this thing and she still does it where she'll say, do you know how much I love you? And I'm like, yes. And she was like, put your index finger and your thumb together. And she mm. was like, do you know why? And I know now because she like in freaking embedded it in my head, but because <laughs> nothing can come between it. Come on, man. Aww. And that's on. what I'll take. I'll probably teach my kids that. Emotionally, I, I, I was not ready. <laughs> I was not <laughs> I was not ready. Oh my goodness. That is um that is just so remarkable. And if I could take anything from that, especially from someone who didn't have the best relationship with their mom and uh, I guess I'm kind of in the same space like, you know, just where you are as far as like just trying to um, you know, build and like you said just use the love to to keep us together and just keep growing. That is just so remarkable and that is just so inspiring. And I know all of our viewers, when they listen to this from start to finish, the next time they, they see you, I, I guarantee you they're going to say thank you because mm -hmm. everything that you said and, and, and shared is going to do something from someone, yeah. whether it be a, a mother um, uh, or a, a, just a young woman just trying to find her way. Like you've given so many gems and I thank God for giving you the words that he gave you tonight and um wow. thank you guys honestly thank you so much for like believing in me believing in my story believing that like you know what i have to say matters and just trusting me to pour into the listeners you know yeah i know you have a lot a lot to say yeah i do <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> i do no no i know you didn't mean it like that but I <laughs> I was going to ask uh, you if you can share a little bit about your secret little project that you're working on. That's why I said oh. you have a lot to say. 
I oh, do have a lot to say. Oh yeah, so yeah, so so we got some resources, Gabby and myself, since we started this podcast. We began like some sources, and people have been they've been talking to us. I'm like, what's going on? Like, why are you telling us this? But there's one source. I'm like, hold on, this is a viable source. So we listened yeah. to this, and they was like, Vanessa is doing this. I'm like, Vanessa doing what? Nah, no way. <laughs> So I'm like, okay, we'll we'll wait till she come on the podcast so she can share with y'all. So hey, the floor is yours. Let's see if the source is right. Go ahead. I am in the final stages since 2014. I started writing a book. Let's go. Can we clap it up for that? Let's go. Let's go. go. And if I could have one word to describe it, the word is hope. Mm. Um, Okay. You guys have a little insight. I actually think I gave you guys too much of, of what was in it. and But there's so much that I didn't talk about. And there's like so much that happened. So just a little bit of a backstory. When I moved to New York, there was another person in my acting class that I didn't talk about. Her name is Dana. Dana was eight years older than me. And she was like this nurturing, motherly figure that I never had. Like this like... She, you know, like this, these people that carry themselves in such a nurturing way. And you're like, mm-hmm. are we peers or are you like my, <laughs> my mom like in, a, in another sense? You know, and I've never met someone before I met Dana that understood the way my brain worked. I would be like, I don't even have to finish. I'll be like, say something. And, and, and like, I'm not getting my words out right. And I'm like, you know, and she's like, mm hmm. I do. And I'm like, when I do that to other people, they're like, no, sis, like, what does that mean? And I'm like, it's hard for me to say it. And not Dana, (laughs) like Dana, just be like, yep. And it's because this, this, and this, and I'm like slaying out. I'm like, what you mean? Like, what you doing to me? (laughs) And so Dana and I, we were, um, we were in the same acting class as Elisha and, um, we became roommates our second year in New York. And Mother's Day, when I tell you guys, Mother's Day is like Memorial Day for me. Mm. It's sad. Uh, it has been. The last couple years have been okay. But it's like, a, it's like a very depressing holiday for me. It's not something that I look forward to ever. Mm. Okay. Um, I, because I'm looking at all these social media posts and all these people honoring their mom in a way that is just like, I'm like, God, why didn't I deserve that? Mm. And it's not, and like, he's not done with my mom's story. So I can't, I can't get on this like comparison kick. But, you know, being her roommate, she would always like hear my conversations with my sister or my brother or my mom or my aunt or my uncle. And she was just like, oh my goodness, like you need to write a book about your life. And I'm like, no, it's okay. It's not that interesting. And I, I really literally just thought that everything that I experienced was normal, except for my mom being on drugs. That's the only thing that I looked at and was like, this ain't, this ain't normal. Um, and I knew that things weren't right. I felt that they weren't right. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know that it wasn't normal for people to experience them. And she would just be asking me like all the time, like, can you write a book? Can you write a book? I'm like, no. And then she one year was like, well, can I write it? Can you make me rich? <laughs> I was like, maybe one day we can make a movie, but a book, nah, son, I'm good. And I 
I decided I was going to take care of my 13 year old sister. I was 23 years old. I was living in Harlem and I left for the weekend to go to a conference in Atlanta, Georgia. Shout out to Kenny. Um, (laughs) I was going to Atlanta for the pinky promise conference and I was on the plane and I remember waking up freezing on the plane and I have a habit of talking to strangers. Like it is just a (laughs) gift of mine. I will talk to anyone and like as if I I've known them for years. I'm like, girl, you cold. I'm cold. Crying. And she, <laughs> and she's like, yeah, it is real cold on here. I was like, shoot, like they need to turn on, they need to turn this AC off or something. And then we just kind of hit it off. And she was asking what I was going to Georgia for. And now I'm like semi new in my walk, like two years in, and I'm still on this. Like, let me tell everybody about. Jesus kick and I'm just like um always looking for a little loophole like where can I talk about God and I just remember her saying like why are you going to Georgia are you from Georgia I'm like no I'm going to a conference a Christian conference Mm -hmm. um and that that got her to asking me like how I became a Christian or if I grew up in church and I just I literally kid you guys not all I told her was that my mom was in and out of prison my whole life I didn't know my dad until I was 15, which I forgot to tell you guys about. Sorry. Um, I didn't know my dad until I was 15. And I'm now taking care of my 13-year-old sister in Harlem. And her literal words, you should write a book. Crying. I was like, (laughs) oh, okay. I literally got back to New York. I walked in my Harlem door and I said, okay, Dana, let's write this book. And she was like, what? And I was like, yup. This lady told me I should write a book, so we should do this. <laughs> but I can't do it alone, Dana. I need you. Uh-huh. And I, it, you know, like somebody asked me if I believe in soulmates for friends. Absolutely, I do. She is my friend soulmate. Like, God literally put us together, if anything, for this book. And I didn't realize how many secrets I buried deep, deep, deep down in the depth of my subconscious, I never talked about. I never thought that it was like okay to talk about because I thought I did something wrong. And it wasn't until I started writing this book. We worked every Monday for one for three hours once a week. We would just she would just interview me. And then I started talking about things that I had never talked about that I thought was my fault. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like I felt so shame like mentioning these things and when she said like do you know that this isn't your fault I had to jump into counseling immediately because I didn't and so this book has brought me so much healing and so much therapy and so it's basically about my mom and how I came to become a Christian and it's very explicit and it ain't pretty but that's because my life wasn't pretty Um, and so that's you know that's the story behind the book. And so when I said we went to Kansas City for a project, it was to document my whole family um, in an interview style kind of wow. thing. Um, and it's been in the making for since April 2014. Wow. It's been eight years. Right, eight, yeah. Eight, eight years next right. month. Right. Wow. And Look at that. It has been a journey. I remember when I first started um, writing my, the pastor that I was getting counseling from was like, 
are you sure that you should put a book out right now? And I didn't know that it was going to take eight years. You know, there's always these things, like even when you think about the genius documentary, right? It's like, this was 20 years in the making. Right. It, Kanye West was even on like a, um, on like a little interview, or not an interview, but like on an Instagram reel that said, if this would have come out the time that it was actually like, even if it would have come out a year after, he wouldn't have been able to handle it. Right, yeah. You know, and it, it was in perfect timing. And that's how I feel about this book. I wasn't, I wasn't healed enough from the things that had happened. And I'm still on a healing journey. There's still, I struggle with words. I struggle with calling things what they are. Because I'm like, no, that wasn't, I don't know if I would call that rape. That wasn't rape per se. Or that's not, that's not necessarily like, alcoholism in my opinion and there will be a lot of time Dana she grew up both her mom her dad her sisters very healthy very very healthy household she's like no this is what it is and you gotta stop saying it's not Mm. I'm like okay (laughs) all right um but yeah um, you guys will definitely, definitely be hearing more about that. And um, it's a lot. It really is. I it really cannot is. wait to read it. Right. Cannot get a, cannot wait to get an autographed copy. copy. Okay. Yes. Just Both of you. Just saying. <laughs> Putting that out. The struggle of like parents getting divorced. But I will answer on how my relationship with my mother and my father individually has affected my relationships today. Um, Like, for example, in my romantic relationship with Christian Baker, best man on the planet. um, (laughs) Shout out to the goat. Um, Voice of our generation. I think that Um, there have been moments when I, so like I would, you were actually mentioning this story earlier, Gabby of like, um, we'll have moments, right? Christian and I will have our, our moments where I think that, I don't know if it's because I was raised a certain way that I will like shut down or I will not know how to receive something he says because I don't. I don't know if, um, like, I know that he's meaning it from a good place, but I don't know how to um, separate him from my mom, Mm. if that makes sense. It's like, well, if my mom said something like this to me, it, it had, like, a negative connotation around it. But if Christian's trying to correct me, he's doing it out of love not out of like shame Mm. or condemnation. And so the same thing goes with my dad, my dad and I, my dad and I, so this is, this is a two part answer because it's the same answer, but it's two different ways on how it's affected my relationships. My mom in that way, my dad and I, we met when I was a month before I turned 15 Never knew who he was. I actually found out last year he's not even 
my biological father, mm. but I had this issue with him. Like we were super close. Right. And then I moved to New York seven years after meeting him. And I was already like, you know, I had boobs. I don't know how else to say it. Like I was already like, I had already hit puberty. I was already like there when I met him. So like, I think there was this, 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 thing between us that like this um wall between us wall. because um I didn't want him touching my back or rubbing my back because I'm like that's weird like man right. you're old and he's like well you know my sisters when they were like because he has two daughters so my sisters on his side when they were like two and four like a baby he would he would be able to like rub their back and they would fall asleep he never got that with me right I never okay. got that I never got I never got that from any man other than when it was not a good thing. And so I have this intimacy issue like I've had with my dad and we've had discussions and he's like, I I don't think he has any intentions on doing anything bad. But if I tell you, I don't want you rubbing my back because it feels weird. You should be okay with that. And so I think like as an adult, in my relationships in general um, with women and men, there's like this, this like sometimes there's only so much like before, there's only so much that can happen before my head just gets in, I just get completely in my head. So there's like this, there can be this block with, um, especially with men because I, I just have never had a good relationship with men. Christian is literally the first man that I have had a great relationship with that didn't have ill intentions. So I think that's how like it's, it's affected me separately. And there's like, yeah, there's a lot of things that I'm still growing and learning. Like um, I told you the other day, Gabby, that, you know, Christian told me that sometimes I could, I could think too much about the past because sometimes I kind of like do this thing where I'm like, oh man, things were so great at this point in time, instead of like thinking ahead and living in the present moment. And I think that it can just be, have, have this like negative connotation over the moment because I'm like thinking about this good moment I had in the past. And it's like, yeah, well that might've been good, but you're not there anymore. And like, be here right now um i hope that answered the question you answered it perfectly okay thank you for sharing that Ooh, jesus help me <laughs> <laughs> wow that um yeah that definitely was um a, a great answer and i'm sure um a lot of people hearing it would definitely take something from it um for sure but um i guess as we close out um, I just want to give like a encouragement thought. Um, well, it's Women History Month, so shout out to you and Gabby. Happy Women's History Month to, the, to the both of you. Thank you. For shout sure. out to you for shouting us out. For sure, for sure. <laughs> and and um in regards to that, I do have a um a women's history fact um as well as a, a Bible verse that okay. is going to tie into uh, your testimony. So, in 1921, American novelist Edith Wharton was the first woman to receive a Pulitzer Prize for fiction. 
Um, and she won the award for her novel, The Age of Innocence, which is a story set in the upper class um, New York during the 1870s. And basically what the Pulitzer Prize is, it's an award for achievements in newspapers, magazines, online journalism, literature, and music composition within the United States. And, you know, being that you're going to be writing a book soon and, you know, it's, it's almost there. I do claim it in the name of Jesus that you will be are in the making. Yes, it, it it's on its way for sure, and I'm I'm claiming that. Thank and, um, you. Not uh, thank you for sharing with us, and because uh, it's definitely gonna bless a lot of people. And um, a verse that um God wanted me to to share with you, um, it's Proverbs thirty one twenty six, and it's um she who opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. Mm. So, and the reason why that relates to you is because, like I mentioned earlier. You know, everything that you shared, all of the gems, all of the, the testimony, the the advice, the the knowledge, the experience, everything that you shared, it will help someone. You know, mm-hmm. Someone who's under a rock, someone who is battling a, their past or, or dealing with trauma, PTSD, not knowing on how to, to love a, a family member, a member, not knowing how to have hope. Vanessa, mm-hmm. tonight, you did that. Yes. You did that for someone. You gave them hope. You gave them love. You gave them inspiration. You gave them faith. And and I thank God for giving um me the opportunity to, to to share this with you because I know that you said you did that for for um for women out there, but you also did that for the men as well because mm-hmm. I am inspired by everything that you said, and I just want to um you know call my mom and tell her how much I love her and just want to mm-hmm. continuously build with her. So I thank you for um being the amazing woman that you are, for being my sister, and for sharing everything that you said tonight. So um yes, I, I appreciate you so much for that. Oh man, I appreciate I appreciate that, and I appreciate both of you. That that's just really beautiful. I love that scripture, Kenny. Thank you. For sure. Yes, Vanessa, we love you very, very much. We really do, and I know that your testimony is going to impact a lot of people in the in the process. Um, you did also say that you had intimacy issues with your dad growing up, and I know a lot of our listeners or other people that they share it with them, they might have problems with their parents growing up. And it just brings emptiness into their hearts. And it, it just, it, the only person that can fill up that emptiness is God. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to my song of the week for encouragement is uh, a song we all know, of course, or it's very, very popular by Elevation Worship. It's Graves into Gardens. Mm. I love, love, love. It's one of my favorites when I'm feeling down and when I'm feeling empty. Um, I listen to this song, especially when I'm missing my mom and dad because mm. they're not with me. So um, it says, I searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. Mm. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade and are never enough. Then you came along and put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied here in your love. So the only person that's going to be able to fill that emptiness that your parents have have um, left is God. Mm-hmm. So we continue encouraging you guys to keep on looking for God. Keep on praying to him, laying every single request that you have at his feet because he's there to listen and he's there to love you every single step of the way. Mm -hmm. 
So with that being said, Vanessa, we want to thank you so, so very much for being with yes. us Can today. We clap it up thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. Yes. Thank you so much. Yes. You're such a powerful woman. Incredible. In Christ, you're such a powerful woman in, in, a rela- in our friendship. So thank you for setting the right example to me and to many other women just with using your voice. So we want to thank you for that. And we also want to thank all of our listeners for listening once again. So this is God's plan. And till the next time. For sure.